Greetings and salutations, Wizards fans. Welcome to the latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast, presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. Today, we chop it up with East Baltimore native and current Washington Wizard, Will Barton. Will and I sit down for a candid conversation where we talk about his first season here in the district, what it's like being back in the region. We also get into his AAU program and how he inspires the youth at such a young age to not only learn the game of basketball, but also the game of life. And something that you don't know about Will Barton might surprise you. All that and so much more coming up. Make sure you download, subscribe, and leave a comment as it's time now to hear from Will Barton on this latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast. Wizards fans, Capital One Arena partnered with Clear to help Wizards fans get into the games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through designated Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today. Hey, yo, this edition of the Off the Bench Podcast, we're keeping a vibe with East Baltimore's own Will Barton. We appreciate you spending some time with us, brother. Appreciate it, fam. Hey, so in the beginning when you first got here, I remember we were talking and you talked about the excitement of just kind of just being back in the region. Now that you've got a couple games under your belt, being back in the region, was it everything you thought it would be? Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of, you know, crowd participation anytime I'm checking in the game. You know, I hear the support after the games. You know, guys in the, in the crowd always tell me, you know, keep your head up, you're a secret weapon and stuff like that. So it's just a lot of love and support that I appreciate. When was the first time you noticed the people was in the building giving you love? Was it the home opener? Yeah, straight from the opener, really. Um, I could just hear people just yelling my name and just saying Baltimore and, you know, just going crazy. It's funny. Uh, you was getting down in one of the early games, and I said during the broadcast, <laughs> I said, East Baltimore, stand up. And a dude on Twitter hit me up. He's like, man, what you know about East Baltimore? I said, man, Thrill taught me about East Baltimore. Yeah. It's so funny being kind of like a D.C. team, but understanding that this region is more than just what they call the DMV. Yeah. There's so much basketball love up in Baltimore. And I thought adding you to the mix really can bring – these two regions together. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, besides the rivalry, you know, the D.C. Baltimore thing, we got a lot of things in common, especially basketball. I think both cities, you know, have a lot of talent, know the game. So I feel like when you when you have me on the team, it just, you know, we kind of gel together and everybody can, uh, you know, just sit back and enjoy basketball and talk basketball. Let's get to the beginning for you. When did basketball kind of become a part of your life? From the beginning, it is. It, it was my life, it still is my life. Um, I started playing basketball ever since I can remember. I started playing organized basketball when I was about six. So, I mean, it's always been there for me. It's always been everything. Who put the ball in your hand first? Myself. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had my dad, people were telling me my dad played and he was good. My aunt was good, she played, but nobody really just, you know, put a ball in my hand and asked me that I want to play. I just found it naturally. And then once people saw that I had a passion for it, then they would take me places and play and stuff like that. But 
I loved it on my own. I fell in love with it on my own. Nobody had to introduce me to it. Was it something you saw on TV or somebody you saw playing like at the rec or out in the street? Like, how did how does a six year old kind of gravitate to the game without somebody essentially handing the ball to him? I just gravitated to it. I remember my mom, like last year, sent me a picture. I was Lord, I probably was about two years old, and she holding me in her lap, and I got a basketball in my hand, like a little blue basketball. I just, I just loved it. I don't know. I don't remember seeing anybody play or watching TV at first. It just, like, ever since I could just remember, I just always had a ball in my hand. What was it like kind of like growing up in East Baltimore with basketball? And, like, was there some guys that was hooping that you saw from afar and it was like, man, that guy or, or that lady could hoop and I wanted to kind of model my game after them? Was there anybody like that? I mean, it was just a lot of people, uh, especially growing up when I, where I'm from. Like, once I got really into it. You start hearing about them old Dunbar teams, Muggsy Bowles, uh, Reggie Lawrence, Reggie Williams, um, David Wingate, all those guys. You start hearing about the history of it. Skip Wise and, you know, all those names, they kind of intrigue you as you going on your journey. Even, you know, even though I was young, I was just so interested in it because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And once I seen that they had success at high school, college and then got to the league, I would just, you know, try to ask people as much information as I could about certain guys I would hear about and then just do my own thing. As I got older and start, you know, understanding what it was, I just start doing my own thing. You know, it's amazing being a student of the game where you understand those Dunbar teams yeah. and how great those players were yeah. and how kind of fearful teams would have kind of going up against them, especially at Dunbar. Yeah. When you got to Lake Clifton, how much were you a student of that then? Uh, I was already deep in it. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I always knew the history, and I always wanted to compete against it because I always wanted to be one of the best to ever come from my city. So I knew I had to do certain things to be considered the best. I would look at some of those teams and see guys, you know, going undefeated, being nationally ranked. So that was always one of my goals was to have an undefeated season in high school and be nationally ranked and be a nationally ranked player. So like you said, I would do my homework on those things and like I said, ask questions, you know, do my research and then say, all right, I want to do something like this too so I can be remembered. I saw you post the other day, you had your Lake Clifton jersey on. Yeah. Is it time? Oh, it's definitely time. Somebody had brought me a jersey. I didn't wear it to the game. Somebody had bought me that jersey. And when I seen it, I was like, oh, yeah, they got to hang this up in the Raptors, baby. <laughs> Undefeated, 28-0. Yeah, I'm in the NBA now. They got to hang that up. It's time. Tell me about your time there. What, 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 what did you learn most about your experience at Lake Cliff? Man, I think that's just where I just became a young man. Uh, before then, I was still a kid. Um, Coach Herman, Harid, everybody called him Coach Tree, really taught me the values of team and winning. Um, even though I was star, the star, he never like put me above the team. I remember one practice, the beginning of the season, I came in there and anybody that tell you that ever went to Lake Clifton, we do a lot of running. Okay. Like the first week of practice, we don't even pick up a basketball. It's all conditioning. Running with bricks, all kinds of things. We getting timed runs. And I remember the first day it was so tough I went to his office at the press. I was like, man, I don't know if I can make this. And he was like, you know, that's cool. Just don't come back to my gym. Said it just like that. So once, you know, I say things like that and I had to take it, take it more serious. And he just taught me different values, man, that, you know, just, just stuck with me 
even to this day, just to work hard, be a dog, and we had a special team up there. <laughs> Watching you kind of like from afar, I would, I would always respect the fact that like, I always felt like when the popcorn was popping, you were at your best. Yeah. It really didn't kind of matter like the moment or who you were playing. And then since you've been here, I've kind of noticed that too, when it's time to get it cracking, you know what to do. Do you remember what I told you the other night in Philadelphia before the game? Uh -huh. Just kind of just looked at each other. You just had that look about like it's time to get after it. Yeah. Do you know during a season when it's time for you to kind of show up and show out? Oh, uh, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, there's different moments, different times during the season where you know I want to pick my play up, whether I haven't been playing that well, the team hasn't been playing that well, or it's a big game where. You know, we're trying to prove a point. Or well, right now, you know, we had lost a couple of games. It's time to get back on that winning side. And I know most of the time I'm a big part of that. So I got to go out there and, and perform. I want, before we talk about your time in Denver, I do want to talk about your AAU program because I think this is something that I think a lot of our listeners will appreciate is you giving back to your community from a grassroots perspective. Talk about Team Thrill, when you got it started, and kind of what's the mission statement for you? It's always been a dream of mine to uh, make it to the NBA. Even when I was young, that was the plan to make it and then be able to start my own youth basketball program so I could give back. And the whole mission to me is just to get those young kids a platform, you know, to show their game off. And, um, you know, to get, you know, college scholarships, to be able to go to school for free and not just, you know, think about making it to the NBA, but making it in life. And, you know, just let them travel to, you know, USA and hopefully the world and be able to see life different because Baltimore is so small. I remember before I started traveling for basketball, I didn't know nothing else but my block. And you start seeing, you know, different places, how big the world is your attitude and your mind start changing. You, you start wanting more for yourself. So I wanted that for the kids. You were telling me you start, this is really a grassroots program yeah. where you get them young to when they're 17 and yeah. then they go off to college. Yeah. How young do you start? Man, we get them like six years old. It's like a farm system. We, get, we try to get them real young and uh, just grow them throughout the program. So yeah, about six years old. And then this past summer, yeah. Your 17s yeah. won the Under Armour National Championship. Yeah, that's, yeah. Your 15s yeah. won the Under Armour National Championships. Yeah. And the 16s finished runner-up? Yeah, lost in overtime. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You clearly doing something right. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to get all three of them. We would have been the first team in history to get all, get all three. But, I mean, like I said, just very proud of the whole program from top to bottom. Coaches, staff, obviously the players, their parents. Everyone just has a, you know, hand in what we're trying to, you know, build. And you know, it's, I get the sense from you, it's not just you're putting your name on it yeah. and your financial support. There seems to be some sweat equity in this with you too. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't worked out with the kids individually, practice with them, play pickup with them, all kinds of things. I want to actually get into coaching them. So just about trying to find that balance in that time. Uh, as I get later in my career, I think I'll be able to do even more of that work. Have you seen AAU Brad yet? <laughs> yeah, I've seen, <laughs> I seen, I seen some of the talks he has with his kids, and I'm the same way. I'm the same way, but that's, you know, they need to hear those things. Just build character and get them ready for the real world and what they're trying to do.
what's next for you in terms of grassroots and your 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 team? How do you want to expand it? Um, we're actually thinking about doing a uh, team thrill in Memphis, where I went to college at. So that might be the next step. And like I said, for me personally, me trying to you know coach one of the age groups. What do the parents say to you? Because I know that the, the <laughs> kids. I mean, obviously, to have an NBA player. Yeah really umbrella the organization and, and bring kids in. But I'm sure these parents are so thankful to just to have their kids have this type of resource. Yeah, I mean, they, that's exactly it. They always show me a lot of love and tell me how thankful they are for me to, you know, be able to get a kids this type of platform and, you know, help them showcase their skills. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your time in Denver. I was looking this up the other day. I didn't realize this. You're the all-time three-point maker in their franchise's history yeah. made the most three-pointers in Nuggets history yeah. how did you do that Just shooting that thing man. <laughs> I'm putting in a lot of work on my three ball uh, coming into the lead that was a weakness for me so I really wanted to work on it because I knew the better I shot the ball the more my game would open up because of my athleticism my ability to drive and pass but in the league, you know, if you can shoot it, you become even more dangerous. So just a lot of hours, a lot of reps, a lot of off seasons where I was working on that three ball and to go from a weakness to now a franchise all-time leader just shows the type of work, the type of discipline, the resilience and the confidence that, you know, a guy can have and how things could just change. You know, you, you dealt with the business of basketball, I'm sure, before. But what was that like when you get traded? Uh, I had been traded before, so I understood it. Uh, I always, you know, as I got more years in the league, I understood that it's a business. And my my outlook was that if you're not the superstar of the team, you're not going to spend your whole career in one place. So I knew it would be coming sooner or later. and. I, to be honest with you, I never thought I would be in Denver the longest anyway. I wound up being there the longest more than any other player. So I didn't even see that. So for it to last that long was shocking. I always knew my time was coming. So when it came, I just was like, all right, what's next? Denver's the first game that we play on that long West Coast swing. Is Will Barton the type of dude that kind of just looks at the calendar and circles it? Or are you just kind of like, it's just another game? <laughs> Oh man, uh, it we is. Keep it be- we keep it a bean on this podcast. Oh man, uh, it is what it is. That's how I look at it. I'm not going to downplay it and say like I don't look forward to the game, but at the same time, it's just a regular season game. It is another game. I'm just going to be me, like I do any other time. Uh, my whole focus right now is us just winning games, trying to put ourselves in the best position to be a winning team, and you know, get to the playoffs. But um. Yeah, that's a that's a game I definitely look forward to just because I spent so much time there. Um, I really grew as a person and as a player, so obviously you look forward to going back. I got to ask you, you got one of the best nicknames in the league. Where does Thrill come from? <laughs> uh, my first coach gave me that, Leslie Dennis, uh, rest in peace. He coached me at Johnny Gahawit, my recreation uh, team where I first started. And uh, I was six, but I was playing eight and under. So I was playing up. but. You know, I was playing a lot and I was doing well. And I would just do fancy passes, dribbling moves and stuff like that. And he just stuck calling me thrill and it just stuck. Everybody just stuck calling me that after that. That's cool. Rest in peace. Yeah, for sure. I'll finish with this. You know, with social media, sometimes you just kind of just go through it and you just see things. You're kind of like, okay. And the other day, something popped up and it was you 
with bars. <laughs> when did Thrill become a rapper? And then when did like the concept of just doing? Because you always know the yeah. same. Rappers want to be athletes. Yeah. Athletes want to be rappers. Yeah. But you're doing both. Yeah, I mean it's true. That saying is true, but the crazy thing is, I'm just so to myself and things like that. Like, I've been rapping for a while now, though. Like, I had a, a, a EP about five years ago called Unexpected. That's out on all platforms, too. But I just, you know, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. I don't really, like, go crazy about telling people, you know, what I do or who I am. I just kind of let you see what it is for yourself. But, yeah, I've been rapping for a minute now. I like it. Are there any MCs that, because obviously with basketball, you said you were six years old, you just picked up a ball and just, yeah. Yeah. was it the same thing with rapping? You were just like, I could put two rhymes together, it sound good, or was there some MCs that you Now the music, to? the music thing was different. I always loved music. You know, I was younger, I never had a passion for making music. I never thought I could do it. But then with Chains was one of my closest friends, he started rapping, and he started rapping for real. And he was getting called in for like, record companies and stuff like that. And I see him go from like, you know, starting rapping in his basement on his computer to like really becoming a real rapper that was, that was, that was good. So where it started was he would always send me his music and be like, yo, listen to this before you would drop it, tell me what you think. So it made me change my perspective on music because I would have to really listen to give him my honest opinion. So it made me, break down bars, listen to music differently, not just, you know, on the um, on the surface of it. it. made me dig a little deeper. And um, the older I got, you know, going through things, music, you know, it, it helps you. So then I, I just started, you know, growing a, a bigger passion for it. And then I just was like, dang, you know, I, I want to make music. And then that's when it happened. I called my friend. I was like, yo, I'm thinking about doing some music. He was like, for real? I was like, yeah. And he just, we just got in the studio one all season for about two weeks. And we came up with Unexpected. That was like a five song EP. And, you know, ever since then, I've just been in love with it. And then we just dropped the one and none, another five song EP just, re just passed recently. And I just, you know, I just love it. What inspires you? Are there certain things during the season and off season, current events? What kind of gets you into the lab where you just start collaborating and coming up with stuff? With the music thing, yeah. um, a lot of different things. Uh, things I go through, things I've been through, how I'm living right now. Like my life, really exciting. Uh, to be able to do what I'm doing, live the way I'm living, from where I come from, is is always crazy to me. So I always get inspired by so many different things to make music because with me, I'm just telling you my life story. I'm just telling you how it is. Either, either I'm doing it, I did it, or I'm about to do it. So that part of it is easy for me. I'm not making nothing up. I'm not fabricating. Everything I say is 100% truth. Like literally like every rhyme. Like, and my friends and anybody around me can attest to it. So like, I get inspired by anything, like anything, like whether it's positive, negative, anything I see, like, I get inspired by it and make music. It's interesting because I know Victor Oladipo, yeah. he's local, yeah. really good singer, yeah. right? He's got a couple albums out. Yeah. Dame Dollar is probably yeah. one of the best MCs, not yeah. just in the NBA, but like, he's a really yeah, good MC. Yeah, Dame can really do so, it. So, 
Would you ever think about collaborating with, with guys like that? And that's why I be saying, like, I'm so in my own world. You feel what I'm saying? I'm so in my own world and to myself with everything. Like, I don't think about doing stuff like that. If it, if it just happened organically, I would do it. But like, as far as reaching out to people to try to do it, I would never just do that because I'm just in my own world. Like, that's why my last EP was called One and None. Like, I'm just from another planet. I'm on my own vibe, my own wave. I just do my own thing. And my music is like, it's just, it's kind of different because it's kind of raw. I'm telling you the real truth. Like, I ain't, oh, yeah, I know. I ain't really holding nothing back. I ain't really hide nothing in my music. Like, yeah. so my rap style is like, I'm not like a bar guy. Like, damn, he really rapping, rapping. Me, I'm giving it to reality. Like, I ain't trying to bar you to death. It's like, just like reality rap. Just like what I'm doing, what I'm saying. I'm giving it to you like that. So, but the one thing, the one one that I heard, obviously, you talked about where you came from, uh, talked about Denver. Yeah living in Miami in the summer yeah. and like now do you, so it, it is kind of just this is where this is my story yeah. which makes it like you said raw but really more authentic when you uh, think about it because your journey is your journey yeah I'm giving it to you real good and the bad and the ugly I'm giving it to you straight up how it is how I'm how I'm living and how I see life and how I see the world my thoughts my opinions for better or worse that's how I give it to you. So like my you, raps, you I don't write have, them down. No, nah, I don't have to. Oh, top of the head. Yeah, so most of the top of the head. So like, if I have like like during the season, if I have like thoughts or something, I'm like, damn, that's kind of fly. I write it in my notes, but I never write whole songs in my notes. Like when it's time to go to the studio, I go to the studio. I done probably already picked some beats I like. Okay. I go in there with my homeboys. We vibe. I play the we play the beat out loud, and. I come up with it organically, like in that moment. That's what I'm saying. Like I ain't, I'm a different kind of. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like artist, I'm not even writing this stuff down. I'm just punching stuff in. Like I might, let's say we listen to the beat. I'm thinking of something. All right, I tell the engineer I'm going to the booth. Let me say something. Boom. I say whatever that I just thought of in my head. Go out, play it loud, play it loud, and keep adding on, adding on that way. Like. I gotta be in the moment. Like, that's how I like to make my music. It gotta be in the moment, fly fresh at that time. I don't really like to try to recreate stuff. You get what I'm saying? That's why I, I like to make music because I can talk about these moments, how I'm living. But I don't wanna write something down, then I gotta go in the studio and it's premeditated. Unless I'm going at that exact time. Like, during the season, it's tough for me to just make music me writing stuff something down and then I ain't went to the studio until about six months. Right. Now it's old to me, I'm not feeling that way no more or I'm not in that vibe or that right. mold at that time. So it's like, ah, you Save know what I'm saying? Something. Yeah, so I'ma just, unless it's like really crazy and I'm like, yeah, I like that. Or it's like a hook or something, yeah, I'll keep it. But for the most part, I'm creating this music like right there on the spot. Like we go in the studio right now, I would have to listen to something, boom, boom, get a vibe play with something in my head and be like, all right, I like the way this sound, I'm gonna go with this vibe for this song. And then we do it that way. My man, I'm gonna have Will actually <laughs> write an off the bench podcast rhyme. And I'm gonna have him, well maybe he'll give it to me and I'll do it just yeah. to see how good I can rap. Yeah. I ain't gonna write it though. You gonna write it? It's no, gonna I'm be gonna, on the top of the head? Out the top. That's gonna be an assignment we're working on. Real, thank you brother. Uh, Appreciate you. Yes sir. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.